You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. The Messy Middle. I came upon this excerpt in an article that I want to read with you as we begin here this morning. Life is messy. Can I get an amen? (laughs) This is the human dilemma. You're not doing it wrong. Life isn't a color within the lines exercise. It is a wild and outrageous invitation full of uncertain outcomes. Sometimes life is beautifully rational, and other times it lacks all logic. What appears to be a step backwards today may turn out to be the first marvelous step forward 10 years from now. The messy middle of life is both inevitable and unexpected. It is filled with delightful mysteries and frustrating predicaments, indescribable joy and heart-wrenching suffering. There is no plan you can devise that will solve the mess. There is nothing you can buy or learn or accomplish that will eliminate the mess. Finding the love of your life or the perfect career won't either. There is nothing you can start doing or stop doing that will eradicate the mess. There's nothing you can tell yourself that will make the mess magically disappear and you cannot think your way out of it. The mess is here. It's unavoidable. It's just life. It's what we do with the mess that determines everything. You can ignore the mess. You can avoid it, deny it, blame others for it, shame yourself, exhaust yourself, pretending your life isn't messy. But when you wake tomorrow morning, the mess is still there. Or you can realize that the mess serves a powerful purpose, that God does his best work in the messy middle. Have you ever been in a messy middle season? Maybe you're in a messy middle right now. Parenting is filled with messes, like literally filled with messes. My house is a disaster all the time. Parenting is a messy middle, isn't it? Did somebody say nope? Yep. (laughs) Maybe you've been in the season where you took a job and you left an old job and you took a new one and the new job's not quite what you thought it would be and so life just feels kind of messy. It feels honestly, like a season to endure. It's not necessarily horrible, but it's not necessarily great. It's just something to be endured. Maybe you found yourself in the messy middle of a conflict between two different people. And if you're honest with them, they're both wrong, but they're not ready to hear that. And it's just messy. Maybe some of you love is living in the tension of a messy middle season right now, whether it's a diagnosis or a loss or an unresolved financial crisis. There is a type of prayer that specifically exists in the messy middle seasons of life. It is a prayer that lives in the messy middle because it moves heaven and shakes the gates of hell. It is a type of prayer that appeals to the God who is in the business of stepping into our messy middle seasons, 
A type of prayer that doesn't allow us to be passive spectators to the mess of other people, but actually serves as an invitation for us to participate in what God wants to do in the mess of other people's lives, to see him bring healing and restoration and redemption to even the most messy parts. And so today what we're going to look at is we're going to look at this type of prayer that lives in the messy middle, a type of prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray and a type of prayer that I believe if we learn how to be a church that prays this way, we will see heaven moved and hell shaken. I feel like that needed an amen. (laughs) We got to wake up here this morning. Matthew 6. Verse 10b is the one verse that we're going to be in here this morning. And uh, this one verse is kind of what the whole sermon this morning is based off of. Matthew 6, 10b, these are Jesus' words. It's very simple. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That statement, on earth as it is in heaven, is the stuff of the messy middle that every single one of us live in. See, on one hand, just two weeks ago, we celebrated resurrected Jesus and the tomb being empty, but we still live in a pretty messed up world at the same time, don't we? Right? You look around and sometimes it feels like darkness and sin and evil is winning, and yet we know we serve and live for a resurrected Savior. So on earth as it is in heaven is literally a statement about the messy middle that we find ourselves in. The heaven is not quite here, but we've gotten a glimpse of it because we serve a resurrected Jesus. And the type of prayer that lives in this place as on earth as it is in heaven, one foot in both worlds, in the messy middle, is a type of prayer called intercession. And intercession just simply means this. It is standing in the messy middle of heaven and earth, Pleading with God on behalf of people and with people on behalf of God. The word intercession literally means to go in between, to stand in the middle, to stand in the messy middle. And to be an intercessor is not just something you do, it's actually an identity every single follower of Jesus is called to live into and to be. That's a candy wrapper that I just (laughs) pulled out of my pocket there accidentally. To be an intercessor is the identity of every Christ follower. You know, I think about my wife and I. We've uh, we've been foster parents for about 10 years. And if any of you have ever lived in the world of foster care, you know messy is probably the perfect word to describe it. I see some foster parents out here who would definitely agree with that. And one of the messiest cases that we had was we actually had a four-year-old girl and a nine-year-old girl that moved in with us, and they lived with us for two years straight. And the messiness of it wasn't so much about the girls. They were awesome, but all of the stuff that surrounded it. And so things like parent visits and navigating past trauma and you know doctor's visits and lawyers and court systems and CPS and all of that. I mean, just a big mess of a situation that we kind of dove into headfirst. And there was a woman that we actually got to meet during that period of our lives. Her name is Yolan, and she's an older lady. And she just is a hero of mine because she stepped into the mess of our situation. She's what's called a court-appointed special advocate, a CASA. And this woman literally, as a volunteer, gave of her time for no other reason but out of love for Jesus and love for people. 
So she would come and she'd pick up our girls and just take them for a couple hours and go and do really fun stuff with them. She was a fierce advocate in the courts and with social workers for the well-being of these two girls that we had in our care. She prayed for our girls all the time while battling her own cancer. And so when I think of intercessor, I think of people like Yolan, that unique breed of people who are willing to not just stand at a distance from other people's mess, but are actually willing to play the role of intercessor and step into the middle of the mess and call on heaven to move. And here's the thing. If, if you read this book, God is constantly on the search for people to be intercessors. In the book of Ezekiel, you have God looking for someone to stand in the messy middle, in the gap, uh, on behalf of his sinful people. After Moses comes down from Mount Sinai and sees the golden calf, sees Israel create this idol, and God is furious with them, Moses stands as an intercessor between evil Israel and a righteous, holy God, and he mediates. In the New Testament, Paul in 2 Corinthians says God is still looking for people who will stand in the gap. As 2 Corinthians says, we are ambassadors of Christ as though God is making his appeal to the world through us. The people of God are always called to stand in the messy middle as intercessors. As theologian N.T. Wright says, Jesus doesn't pray for God's people to be snatched away from earth to heaven, but for the glory and beauty of heaven to be turned into earthly reality. When that is done, God's name, his character, his reputation, his very presence will be held in high honor everywhere. What he's saying there is that if you are a Christian, if you are in Christ, you are called to stand in this place called the messy middle and pray just as Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this isn't new. In fact, this is the very role that God ordained for humanity. If you go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2 in this place called Eden, in the Garden of Eden, that is a picture of what it looks like when heaven and earth are one, where God's rule, his honor, his reign is the everyday order of the day. And Adam and Eve were called and commissioned by God to be intercessors, to carry God's goodness and his presence, to be stewards and ambassadors of God in the world. And what happened? Genesis 3, a crafty serpent came along and he tricked them. And they ate of a fruit, and sin entered the picture. And in that very moment, heaven and earth went in different directions, completely different places. And you'll know who stole dominion of the earth? Satan, the serpent. He stole the role that God created us for as intercessors in the world. And what God promises, even in that moment, even in the moment where sin enters the picture, is he says to the woman, I will put enmity between you and the serpent, between your offspring and hers. And he will, a descendant of yours, will crush your head, serpent, and you will bruise his heel. In other words, God's promise is I will win back the role of intercessor that Satan stole from you. And what does God do? He sends a perfect go between heaven and earth a perfect intercessor, 
someone who could stand in the messy middle in ways that we never could, fully God and fully man, heaven and earth in one person, to come and restore our role as intercessors. Who is that person? Not a trick question. Who is that person? Jesus, Jesus. yes. Yes, his entire ministry was about standing in the messy middle of heaven and earth, inaugurating God's kingdom here on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is Jesus' mission. In fact, I even love the image of the cross because every time I see the cross, I can't help but see Jesus spread out, pulling heaven and earth back to each other, reclaiming our role as go-between, as intercessors, as people who are called to stand in the messy middle on behalf of others. In fact, what we know is on his road to the cross, in the final days of Jesus' life, he spent so much of his time interceding. You can read this in John 17, just beautiful prayers of intercession on behalf of people. And he prays for you, and he prays for me, and he prays for unity and oneness and all of these different things. And there's this beautiful picture in Luke of of Jesus just in the garden of Gethsemane, and he is crying out to his Father. And he he says this in Luke 22, Right before the cross, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Sounds a lot like the Lord's Prayer, doesn't it? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, but yours be done. What Jesus is doing here is he is taking on the role of intercessor. And he is standing in the gap in the tension with little, the text describes blood falling down his forehead like tears in the most intense moments of love, bridging the gap between heaven and earth, standing in the messy middle on your behalf and on my behalf. This is the way that Jesus interceded. This is the way that he prayed. And the the problem is that when we find ourselves or others in the messy middle of life, we, many of us don't know how to pray prayers like what Jesus prayed. In fact, a lot of us, we pray prayers that sound like this, what I would call active prayers. And active prayers, when we're faced with a decision or something like that, go a lot like this. God, I'm going to marry this person or take this job or move to this place, and if it's your will, bless it. Right? And so I, I bring my laundry list of my desires or my will to God, and then I just kind of tag on the end, if it's your will, then bless it. And so what we do is we, we kind of come up with our best case to usher in the movement of God with maybe good motives, maybe not. And if we can convince God enough, we'll convince him to adopt our will. Amen. I love it. We'll convince him to adopt our will. And so what we'll do is we'll just, you know, give him a whole list of our own will and then just tag on the end, if it's your will, in Jesus' name, amen. That's active prayer. That's me expecting God to align with my will. That's me expecting God to come to my turf and, and operate in my way. The problem with active prayer is it assumes God's not already doing something and already moving. But then there's a second type of prayer. And this might be even more common. This is what I'd call passive prayer. And passive prayer is a whole different kind of thing. Passive prayer sounds like this. God, it is what it is. They are who they are. <laughs> It'll be the way it's going to be. Like, Think about this. In our culture, the statement thoughts and prayers have literally become synonymous with passivity 
and distance and doing nothing. Right? And so passive prayers often look like this. We'll see somebody post a prayer request on Facebook, and you'll see 30 comments, praying, 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 sending good vibes and, you know, warm fuzzies and rainbow and glitter, I don't know, for your cancer diagnosis. As if good vibes and prayers are the same thing. See, passive prayer also doesn't cut it when it comes to standing in the messy middle and interceding on behalf of another person. Then there's a third type of prayer, and this is the type of prayer that Jesus prayed. I call this prayer messy middle prayers. And messy middle prayers are, Father, take this cup from me, not my will, but yours be done. In other words, God, you already have a plan, and you're already doing something, and you're already drawing that person to yourself in different ways. I'm not the hero or the center of the story. God, all I want to do is participate in what you're already doing in that person's life or in that situation. Messy middle prayers are very active in nature, but the action doesn't start with you or me. We're simply joining the action of what God is already doing. Not my will, but yours be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the stuff of messy middle where we actually, we pray prayers of intercession that align our hearts with God on behalf of other people. The middle voice means I'm not, an, I am an active participant, but the action did not begin with me. I am simply joining the action of another. Like Jesus says in, in John five nineteen that he joins himself to the will of the Father and does the will of his Father. And so Jesus' rhythm of intercession for people as he stands in this place of messy middle looks like prayer, I'm going to pray for this person, and then God, I'm going to participate in what you want to do in their lives. Jesus wasn't active about his prayers in the sense of like, God, this is what I want to do and I hope you'll just join in on it. And he also wasn't passive like, God, just leave them to themselves, they're a mess. No. He joined with his father, and it led him to participate in his father's plan, which was the cross. When, uh, when we first came to New Life, and we, were just, we began praying for this community, I've shared this before, but there's a simple prayer that we've prayed every day since we've been here, and even, as we've, and even before we got here. And the prayer was this, God, show us what you're already up to, and show us the role you want to play in that. God, what are you already doing, and how can we join in? It wasn't, hey, God, we're these incredible heroes of the story, and we're going to come in, and we're going to bring the gospel to these, you know, dirt road living, horseback riding country folk. Right? That wasn't how we approached this. It was, God, we already believe that you are doing something here in this community, and our role is to be faithful, to join in on that, and that is how we believe we are called to intercede for this community. That God has called us, not us as in me and my family, but us as a community to play the role of intercessor for this community. To go between the places where there is brokenness and there is messiness in this community. And what God wants to do to bring heaven to earth and to stand in this place and cry out and plead with God on behalf of people. That's who we're called to be as a church. I love how uh, Eugene Peterson says this. He articulates it this way. He says, The assumption of faith 
is that God is always doing something before I know it. So the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so I can respond to it and participate and take delight in it. Here's what that means. Intercession begins with praying for someone, pleading with God for someone, and then it ends with participation in what God wants to do in that person's life. Intercession begins with love for another person, begins with a deep longing to see that person experience the love of God, and then it ends with moving in and bringing that love to places where it is not yet fully experienced. You can pray for people from a safe and comfortable distance, but that's not necessarily intercession. Intercession means getting your hands a little bit dirty in the pleading. I love how the book of James says this, and I'm going to read the message paraphrase uh, from this. He says this, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved, and you say, good morning, friend, be clothed in Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Prayer and participation go hand in hand with each other. Jesus' intercession wasn't just prayer, it was prayer and participation with what God wanted to do. Lord, not my will, but yours be done is what led him to the cross. It is the ultimate picture of heaven and earth. We have a train about to hit us here this place this morning. <laughs> uh, the ultimate picture of the messy middle where he pulled heaven and earth back together. My guess is, if you're anything like me, you see parts of this world that just don't sit right with you. You see areas of deep brokenness, areas where it seems like sin is winning in this world, areas where God has given you a holy anger or a holy agitation over, and he is calling you to intercede for and to stand in the messy middle you know, one of the reasons that I'm a pastor is because God, since I was a kid, has given me a deep, deep compassion for people who live on the margins, for those who are forgotten and overlooked, brushed aside, abused, and neglected. Like, I, I know that if I'm not standing or living in those places with those people, that I'm not actually living out the life that God has called me to. It's literally why I'm a pastor, and it's literally why I love being here in this community so much, because we get to do this together. And I, I just want to ask for you, like, what is it for you? What is, what is it the thing that you look out in the world, and, and, and it doesn't sit quite right with you? Is it, is it young people? Are you concerned about Gen Z and Gen Alpha and, and younger generations? Like, are you deeply concerned with where younger generations are, are heading the question I would ask you is, are you interceding for them? Are you praying for them? 
Are you bringing young people before the Father and pleading with him on their behalf every single day? And then the follow-up question is, are you participating in some way with what God wants to do in their lives? Are you mentoring? Are you encouraging them? Are you speaking life into them? Maybe for you it's not Gen Z or young people in this community. Maybe it's kids in the foster care system. Are you discontent with kids who are abused and neglected to the point of being willing to enter the messy middle with them? Are you bringing them before the Father, praying for them on their behalf, and then stepping into some kind of action? Maybe for you it's your lost neighbor. Maybe you live next to somebody who is close to you yet far from God, and and their lostness just seems to rub you differently. It just seems to agitate you like, ah, God has so much more for their life. Are you praying for them? Are you standing in the gap, in the messy middle, and bringing that name every day before the Father? And then on the flip side of that, are you participating with God in their life? Are you sharing the gospel with them? Are you looking for opportunities to speak life into them? This is what it means to intercede. This, my friends, is the hard, messy, necessary work of intercession that every single Christ follower is called to. You want to know what Jesus is doing right now? Have you ever wondered what Jesus is doing on the right, at the right hand of the Father in heaven right now? He's doing this very thing. Scripture tells us over and over again, he is right now interceding, pleading with the Father on your behalf. Hebrews 7, verse 25, says it this way. It says, Therefore he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Can you imagine what prayers Jesus is praying for you right now? Man, would I like to be a fly on the wall in that room. Right? I, I just have this picture, and this is, this is so cool, but, but I just have this picture of like, Jesus and his father sitting in the grandstands as we are running the race, right? Running doesn't sound fun to anybody, but I have this, maybe it does to some crazy people, but not to me. Uh, and so there, we're running this race of life and, and Jesus is watching us right next to his father and he is cheering us on. You got this. Oh, you, you tripped and fell on your face. It's okay, like you're gonna get back up. And he's like cheering us on as we run this race, that Jesus is interceding for us. His intercession for you never stops. He is constantly bringing you before his Father, pleading with his Father on your behalf, not as if his Father is, his heart is poised against you, but to simply remind his Father of his heart for you. That's what Jesus is doing every single day. And that's what we're called to do for the people around us. And so church, where are the intercessors? Where are the people of God who are willing to stand in the messy middle and pray prayers that shake the gates of hell and move the heart of heaven? Who are the people willing to stand in this place of on earth as it is in heaven to see God's kingdom and his rule and his reign impact every single area of our lives? See, I just I want to share this like there's a massive difference between being a church that has a prayer team and being a praying church. Those are two very different things. And I just, 
if I can just level with you right now, we are a church with a prayer team. I want to see that change so badly. Like with everything in me. And you know what that looks like? That looks like us being willing to get out of our comfort zone to pray for other people. And not to worry so much about saying the right words or what they're going to think of us or if we're going to mess it up. But just starting somewhere with praying. I've shared with our, our teams, like how cool would it be to be a church that didn't measure our primary success on a Sunday morning by how many people were here or how much people gave or anything like that, but rather measured our success based on how many people were prayed over on a Sunday morning. That you couldn't even make it to your seat without being prayed over five times. That might be a little annoying, um, but at least a co- once, right? Like at least being prayed over once, but that takes every single one of us stepping out and simply asking this question right here, it's, it's a complicated one, how can I pray for you? That question is an invitation into someone's life, into their messy middle. How can I pray for you? There are people you interact with every single day of your life who are carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. And they desperately need someone to just ask them this question, how can I pray for you? And when we ask this question, what we do is we take the time to listen, to be invited into the messy middle of someone's life. And and maybe they'll say, no, there's nothing, I'm good. But maybe, maybe they'll extend an invitation to be invited into the hard stuff and the messy stuff of their lives. And what we don't do when we ask this question is say, great, I'll, I'll pray for you and send you good vibes later. No, stop right then and there. Pray for them in that moment. Don't leave that interaction without having there be some level of prayer where you just bring what they say before the Father. You just bring it to him. That's the first part of intercession. How can I pray for you? The second piece of this, and this is something that you ought to be asking yourself every time you are invited to pray for somebody, is this. God, how can I join you in your work in this person's life? How can I be a part of what you want to do in their life? And there are some times where God will say, it looks exactly like this, go and do that. And there are other times where God will say, I'm just calling you to just pray for them in this moment. There's no action necessarily required as a follow-up. The point is not the outcome. The point is we have made ourselves available to what God wants to do in their lives. We have made ourselves available to be active participants in what God wants to do in their lives. And I promise you, If you learn to ask these two questions when it comes to prayer, number one, you ask somebody, how can I pray for you? And then number two, God, how can I join you in your work in this person's life? You'll have new eyes to see God's move in this world. You'll have new eyes to see people with. God will cultivate a love for you, for other people that you do not have apart from him. God will give you new ears to hear and new ways to interact with people. You know, I think about Just different examples of how this has lived out. What if the next time you were at a restaurant and the waitress or waiter is there serving you and you just ask this question to them, hey, we're going to pray as a family. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And they might say nothing. But they might also invite you into their life and say, hey, I'm, I'm a single parent and money's tight and I'm just trying to make ends meet and I'm going to school, and life is stressful, and kids are hard, and all of this stuff, and all of a sudden, you just got an invitation, and you say, can I pray for you right now? 
And then to participate in that person's life is leave them a good tip, (laughs) right? Your prayer is not your tip. Like, leave them a good tip. Like, put your money where your mouth is. Have God action, not just God talk, right? I think about a couple weeks ago, I was just chatting with somebody over here on this side of the room who happens to be on our prayer team. And they just asked me, they said, is there anything I can pray for you for right now? I was like, wow, that's cool. So I was like, you know, it's been a hard week with my kids and, you know, it's been a tough week in our marriage and like pastors don't have perfect lives. We, we have messy middles too. I just said, just pray for that. And so he did right then and there. He, he prayed for me, he prayed over me and it meant so much. And then I got a text from him a couple days later. He said, hey, like we'd really love to take your kids for a night so you guys can go on a date and just, you know, enjoy each other. That's prayer and participation in what God wants to do in someone else's life. I think about two weeks ago, I went and visited somebody um, here in the church who was having a major surgery, and she was in recovery and on bed rest. And it was myself and someone from her small group who went to visit her and pray for her. And uh, we just said, hey, like, beyond recovery, how can we pray for you? We'll pray for your healing and your recovery, but is there anything else we can pray for you for? And she shared, hey, like, recovery is a long road, and I have to take time off of work, and there's financial strain with that and all of that stuff. And so we did. We, we prayed for her in that moment. And then on the way back, the woman that's in her small group just pulled me aside, and she said, hey, like, I really think our small group can help meet that financial need. I think we can stand in the gap. That's what it means to pray and participate in someone's life. Think about another family in our church right now who has encountered this young mom, 10 weeks pregnant, who was set on having an abortion. And literally, this family offered to pray for her. And they prayed that she would choose life, and she did, but it it didn't just stop there. They said, hey, you're alone, you don't have a support network, do you need a place to live? And I'm not kidding, this last week, that woman moved into their house and she's living with them now. Because we are called to pray and participate with what God wants to do. That's the heart of intercession, my friends. The question for us is, are we making ourselves available for God to do just that? So here's how I want to close us this morning. We're going to kind of practice what we preach literally here this morning. So I want to invite, during this last song, our prayer team just to come up on on both sides of the room up here as we sing. And I'll be up here as well. And I just want to ask you the simple question as we worship, how can we pray for you? How can we pray for you? What do you have going on in your life right now that feels too big for you? What's messy right now? Where is there unresolved tension in your life? I just want to challenge you to swallow the awkwardness or the resistance to coming up and just come up and get prayed for. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's one of the most simple ways that we can show love to one another is to just bring each other before the Father in prayer, to intercede on each other's behalf. So if you would, I'd love to invite you to stand as we just close this in prayer. And then as we worship, we're going to have our prayer team. Prayer team, if you want to just make your way up there right now as I close us in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much uh, for who you are. 
God, that you are so incredibly close. That God, you stood in the messy middle on our behalf. That you entered the gap between heaven and earth and you pulled the two back together, God, so that we can experience you as our everyday reality. God, I pray that we as a church won't be a church with a prayer team, but we'll be a praying church, a church that is interceding on behalf of each other, a church that is interceding on behalf of our community, on behalf of our kids, a church that is interceding and bringing these needs to you and just pouring them out before you. And God, we just pray you'll hear the prayers of your people. That as your word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I'll heal their land. I'll do things that are crazy cool. (laughs) So God, that's what we appeal to here this morning. God, come and do what only you can do in our lives. We need you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.